0: Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. I am your host, Coach Cullen. First, I would like to thank the people who have reached out to me and just shared that they have appreciated some of the things I have been saying recently. And if you would like to do the same, or if you have a question, a comment, you can always email me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com ptc podcast 411 at gmail.com. Of course, if you've discovered this podcast on Twitter, you can retweet it, you can like it. If you found it on Facebook, you can share it on your Facebook page. And if you really do find something interesting that you think your friends would find interesting, please feel free to share it with them as well. You can always follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify as well. This has been a very tiring week. It's What's happening is, now, my name is Coach, and I should be ready for this. The beginning of softball season has started, and I'm the assistant coach at my middle school. But also this year, I've taken on an added responsibility, my oldest daughter, wanted to try volleyball, so I am the coach of her town team as well, and Tuesday was the first day where I had to go from softball practice after school to volleyball practice at night, and Wednesday was not a good day for me at school. My I had my one friend down the hall who just kept on busting me all day. You know, first time she saw me, she realized something was wrong. She's looking at me, she goes, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. My body's sore. I I coach softball and I did volleyball at night. You know, and you're one, I'm an old guy, you know, I'm not young anymore. You know, softball, here I am, um, throwing the ball with the girls. I am hitting the ball and it's stretching muscles out that I really haven't done anything with since last season. Then after resting and eating, I go out to volleyball practice. What am I doing there? I'm bumping, I'm setting, I'm serving. I'm not spiking because I don't want to embarrass myself. You know, 20 years ago, I would have been. I don't want the girls to see me just constantly hit the net or even can't even get over the top of it anymore. But my body was sore. And, you know, it, it's okay. I love coaching. It, it. If you've never coached, if you're a teacher, you get to see your students in a different light. And if you're a parent and you have the opportunity to coach your child's town teams, like I'm having here with volleyball, I I would highly recommend it. You get to see them a little differently. They get to see you a little differently as well. Uh, You know, it's interesting that my daughter is now seeing me in a sense in my teaching role. And some of the kids on her team are her friends. So interacting with names that I've only heard of in the house Now, they're on my team, and that's been a blast as well, and I can say my daughter is choosing wisely in terms of her friends. They're really nice kids. Now, like I said, I am the assistant softball coach. I was a baseball coach for about 25 years. First, as a varsity baseball coach in a private school in Connecticut, and then recently at my middle school where I teach. The reason I stopped is that I realized my girls were growing up quickly and I I wanted to spend more time with them. I wanted them to get interested in softball. And one of the reasons why that wasn't happening is I was spending that baseball softball season coaching, practicing games, and I was exhausted when I was done. it was tough to get my own daughters focused on the game that I love. So, I decided to retire from coaching baseball. And it just so happened that it coincided when I made the decision, my team was on a county tournament run to win the county tournament. And we won it. I felt like there was an old episode of The Simpsons where the whole episode, Homer was practicing playing a version of the game um, Punch-Out. If you remember the old Nintendo... Nintendo game Punch-Out, or Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. He he was always losing to Bart. So the whole episode, he's training on the video game. He's learning how to win Punch-Out. And the last scene, he's playing Bart, and he's winning. He's knocking him out. He only needs one more knockout to win. He's punching, 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 and Homer's like getting so excited. I'm going to win! I'm finally going to win! And he yanks on his controller. It unplugs the video game system and... Bart stands up and says, and, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to announce my retirement from you know, the video game boxing program. Of course, Homer wasn't too happy with that. That's what I felt like. I, I retired on top. In fact, the next year, the secretary told me that she received a call in the spring. And one of the parents asked, "Mr. Cullen, why isn't Mr. Cullen coaching baseball anymore? And the secretary goes, I don't know. He won a championship. He thought that was great and he quit. <laughs> and so that was good. And actually the other thing, which I thought it was it's a great moment. It was a great moment to quit. It ended perfectly. Not just with a championship. You know, I've told people that, that game, not only was I, of course, excited by how the boys played, they were a great team. They weren't they weren't a team that was Ever too high or too low. If they were winning by a lot, they act the same way as if they were losing by a lot. That was a great trait in this team because they never felt like any lead was safe, so they played hard, and they never felt like any deficit was too great to conquer. They were always even-keeled. And it showed in the championship game, we went down early, it didn't fluster them, and we came back and won. For me as a coach, though, it was probably the first game ever in 25 years where what I planned for before the game, I made every move I thought I was going to make. As a coach, you think about obviously the starters, But then you also think about the guys on your bench. How will I utilize them? When will I need their area of expertise, what they give to this team in the lineup? And in my mind, I had it all mapped out. When my starting pitcher comes out, my left fielder will relieve like he's been doing um, the whole tournament. When the left fielder comes in to be the relief pitcher, so and so will go out the left field. My second baseman was an on-base machine, but I had another player on the bench who was a better fielder. So if we took the lead in the later innings, the second base, the starting second baseman would go out, and the reserve second baseman would go in for defensive purposes. And that actually was key. Like I'll tell you about that move. And there's other moves as well. Every player got in the game, and they got in the game. For the situation that I had pre-thought before the game that they, I would need to use them for. And for example, the second baseman, right? Second ba- the, the on-base machine, of course, got on base. Helped us get a lead. In the sixth inning, we played seven in m- middle school. I put in, for defensive purposes, my better defensive second baseman. They get a little rally going in the last inning. A soft line drive went over the second baseman's head. Okay, remember, he's in there for defensive purposes. He turns his back to the plate. He runs out towards the outfield, and he dives and makes the catch. It was just a great game to cap off a career. So now you're probably wondering, well, then why are you assisting coach for softball? I wouldn't be the assistant in baseball to softball to just anybody. Uh, It would be tough. You know, I, I was in control for so long and not calling the shots. I would have to bite my tongue, I think, at some times. However, the woman who asked me to be her assistant is someone I have great respect for. She's a great teacher. She was a varsity softball coach. She took over the middle school program. And she realized she needed some extra help. And she approached me. She said, hey, would you consider helping me? I I think you and I working together could really build a strong program here. Softball has been declining in our town. Lacrosse has become more popular among the girls. A lot of the better athletes are learning to play lacrosse than softball. And I said, sure, because I respected her. I I knew that I could work under her. And it's been working out great. She does a lot of the same things I would do. You know, I always say to her, yep, that's something I emphasize. Yep, that's something I work on. And the big thing that we both agree that needs to be worked on are the little things. Going over and over and over again, the little things. Practicing fielding practicing situations, practicing running the bases. Some of these things seem so mundane. In fact, kids always just want to hit. I want to hit, I want to hit, I want to hit. Kind of like that little kid in the old Bugs Bunny. I want to East Egg, I want to East Egg, I want to East Egg. If you remember that. Yeah, fielding isn't exciting. Practicing running the bases without a ball being in play, just making the turns around first do not doesn't seem exciting, but like we both always tell the girls, the game is a game of split seconds. If you can save time running the bases by even a fraction of a second, that could be the difference between out and safe. If you know what to do with the ball immediately when it's hit to you because you're thinking the ball... Before the ball is pitched, what do I do if the ball's hit here? Again, it's going to save you fractions of a second. And that is going to be the difference between an out and safe call. You practice the basics over and over and over again. You know, when I watch the local news go down to Florida and do a story on spring trading for the Mets... Or the Yankees, although I don't like the Yankees. That's another story. Maybe there's a podcast someday. We'll talk about that. But we're watching the Mets at spring training. The most common thing they film are the pitchers coming off the mound and running to, to the foul line on first base, running parallel with it, and receiving a toss from the first baseman. Something that is very basic. And here are major leaguers, the tops in the sport in the world, and they're doing a drill that we would do on the middle school level. Because in sports, we realize the need for repetition. We realize the need to spark that memory. We do the same things over and over again. So when it, the game occurs, it's second nature. I was working with the outfielders the other day and I was going over different things like okay, if the ball nobody's on base, person gets a base hit. You should block the ball. We don't want the girl to get to second base. Okay, there's runners on there's a runner on second base. She is the winning run. There's a ground ball hit to you. Do you go down on one knee? No. You have to charge it hard. And I, I show them what I would typically do when I charge the ball. That was what we call do or die, right? It's either you do it and you make the play or you you lose. And so I showed them how to field the ball off their foot and come up throwing. We talked about when you catch a fly ball, you want to be, if if you were to let it drop, it should drop about three feet in front of you. Because when you catch a fly ball, you want to catch it moving in towards it. So you're in position to throw the ball in if there's a girl on base. Some of the girls' faces who had been with me before, who heard the same spiel last year, was very similar to the boys I used to work with. And you can see it in their faces, kind of like, we remember this from last year. But I can't be sure of that. So I want to repeat it. I want them to know, and I'll repeat it several times throughout the season, over and over, these basic ideas, these basic thoughts, over and over again you know the great basketball coach John Wooden they said that one of the things that he would do every year with his team he would have a lesson on how to put on your socks correctly that's right imagine Kareem Abdul Jabbar Bill Walton sitting for three seasons i think Walton only could play. Now Walton may have been able to play four there was an NCAA ban on freshmen i know for Kareem But for every season they played, they would have to listen to Coach Wooden explain, here is how you put your socks on. And Coach Wooden would say the reason for that class, that lesson, was if you don't put them on right, you can get blisters. If you get a blister, you're either not going to be playing as well because it hurts, or you're not going to be playing at all because it hurts or it's infected. So that little thing... going to help you it's going to help the team the same thing about repeating the same ideas over and over or practicing the very basic fielding the ball over and over when you do it over and over it's not only going to help you it's going to help the team the German reformer Martin Luther it was said that the congregation that he would preach to approached him somebody in the congregation approached him and the story goes that they said to Martin Luther you know every week we hear the gospel every week you tell us that we're sinners that we need to receive grace and mercy from God that happened on the cross with Jesus and we receive that through faith we hear that some form of that over and over again why don't you preach on something else And Martin Luther's response is, because you so easily forget the gospel message that I have to keep on repeating it. You know, to Christianity, the gospel message is the fundamentals. The same thing as knowing what to do when the ball is hit to you or how to run the bases are the fundamentals of baseball and softball. If you don't have the fundamentals right, you can't go anywhere else. You can't achieve greatness or success in your field of endeavor if you're not getting the fundamentals, the core, correct. That's why as coaches, we keep on repeating the same things over and over. We keep on drilling the same skills over and over. One thing I used to do as a baseball coach was I would get the infielders out and the outfielders, and this is very common, right? The outfielders who hit ground balls to the infielders, like I had four stations for third baseman, shortstop, second baseman, first baseman, for 10 to 15 minutes to start practice, just over and over and over, ground balls, ground ball, ground ball. Yes, it was boring. Yes, it was monotonous. But especially at the middle school level, on a batted ball, the vast majority of our outs are not going to be fly balls to the outfield caught. They're going to be ground outs. And those kids need to be able to field those ground balls properly to get those outs so we're not making errors. So that is why a coach repeats the same thing over and over. But I think we've kind of missed this in education, this idea that, Repeating, having kids repeat the same things over and over doesn't feel like people believe there has much benefit today. The the common statement, oh, they can use a calculator. Oh, they can go on Wikipedia if they don't know something. No, there is a value to rote memorization. There is. And the people who often say there isn't, actually, everyone who says there isn't, I guess that they don't realize that they themselves can make authoritative statements because they have repeated things over and over they have built up a wealth of knowledge to start from it's almost like they don't want to give others younger people the benefit of the wealth of knowledge they've learned over time they've memorized i'll tell you an area of education that i think is severely lacking after my two girls have gone through elementary school here it is, times tables. Who here remembers getting a sheet of paper with the numbers one through 12 going across the top and one through 12 going down? And you had to fill those babies out, right? Over and over every night for like weeks. Fill out your times table. Try. And maybe you start small. You start out with one times tables and two, but expand it out to finally 12 times 12, right? And you had to fill these out over and over again. Was it boring? Yes. Was it, did you want to do it? No. In talking to friends who are math teachers in the middle school level, that's one of their biggest complaints. The kids don't know their times tables. I have a daughter who struggles with her times tables. And you know what that means? She's going to struggle with the word problems that her teachers want her to do. It would have been better off if they said, okay, you're struggling with times tables. This group of kids, we're just going to work on times tables. We're going to let these other groups... They're going to go off with the word problems. You're going to get your times tables down. But due to state testing, we can't operate like that. We can't operate what's best for the student, best for the child, because the state testing mandates that they all get to the same level, even if they're not at the same level. So yes, it's great for the kids who are advanced and who have mastered the fundamentals, but we're leaving behind the kids who haven't mastered fundamentals. We're asking students to run trick plays in baseball before they can field a ground ball properly. Now, my daughter's school does standards-based grading. So the other day, she worked really hard to be ready for this math test. She got every one right but one. And she received a grade of... AS. Approaching standards. My daughter takes approaching standards as a failure. She failed. She was in tears. So we asked her, how much help did you get? And she said, I I asked one question. Did she get approaching standards because she was supposed to get them all right? Like there's no room for mistake? Is it because she received assistance? Again, it was word problems. We're dealing with a student who doesn't even have the fundamentals of a times table down. And again, she has to be left in the dust so you can go have her ready or unprepared for the state test. She's not gonna be ready for it. She doesn't have the fundamentals down. Especially in math, but I've heard language arts teachers as well complain about this with grammar, with simple grammar. It's almost like we're reaching back into the lower age levels, and we don't want to do the grunt work of learning grammar, learning timetables, because that's boring. Let's do projects. Let's get them thinking analytically about things. Let's get them voicing their concerns about the big issues of the day in third grade. What? No. When my, I put my kid in elementary school, I want you to teach them how to read how to write properly, and I want them to learn their times tables. But that's the boring stuff. But it's the fundamentals. And learning can't be fun when their mind clicks to the abstract thinking part. They won't have the concrete basis to achieve what they really should achieve in the abstract when they have to give their opinions about big topic issues of the day. It's all going to be out of sheer emotion because they've never learned the fundamentals. So again, when you're young, that's when you think concretely, right? That's when you're building your foundation. The problem is, in education today, we find this memorization part, this repeating part, boring. So what is occurring as kids move into the abstract, into the higher levels of academics? They have a crumbling, concrete basis as a foundation. And the language arts teachers and the math teachers are the ones that really have to deal with the mess, that they're trying to patchwork up that concrete foundation. I think in education, we need to take a cue from how coaches deal with athletes. We work on the fundamentals. We never stop working on the fundamentals. Even as kids move into the abstract, maybe we don't spend as much time on the memorization part reminding them about times tables. But it's not like it should never be brought up. We go over it again and again. And as time goes on, you're not gonna I don't spend as much time in how to work with an outfielder at the middle school level as I would a fourth grader but I'll tell you what even when I was coaching high school baseball we still went over the fundamentals of fielding a ball in the outfield we still went over the fundamentals of fielding a ball in the infield we still went over the fundamentals of runner on second you're in right field the ball's in in front of you what do you do with the ball you're at second base. A ground ball hits you with a runner on second. What do you do? Do you throw at the third? Do you throw at the first? The best teams always go over the fundamentals, and they're built on solid fundamentals, not on the fancy stuff. If our focus is on the fancy stuff instead of building the fundamentals in education, we're going to be left with a mess. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers. They can be parents. They can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, A good teacher cares deeply for their students. But good parents love those students, their children, deeply.